Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Talking Points Podcast. We're live. We're live. Um, my name is Reed Nalabach. I'm sitting here with my business partner, Taylor Lagasset, aka Ron Burgundy. <laughs> we can call him Ron or Taylor for the, the time being here, either way. But, um, all right, hit me. All right, so we have a lot to unpack today. It was a great Influence Weekly. Taylor, take us through the four articles we're going to be highlighting today. So we're going to be diving into hidden likes on Instagram and how that affects influencers. We got um, influencers starting coffee shops. We got farmers on YouTube. And then we have, last but not least, Reed. It is the Chipotle campaign done on TikTok. Okay, let's dive into it. Let's dive in. So, start us off. Let's review the... The... Um, the experiment done by hashtag paid research report and um, they reviewed Instagram without likes. And to give you guys a little bit of context about this article, it was, if you guys haven't known, Instagram is testing across several different countries right now the possibility of using Instagram as a platform without engagement, so meaning comments, likes, and just ways to interact with people's posts and really just vanity metrics. And the test done here was uh, Instagram without likes specifically. Correct. And the reason why hashtag paid had done this was because, as noted in the outline of the of the article, Instagram doesn't release their data reports, and understandable. I mean, they they want to keep things proprietary to them. So hashtag paid actually reached out to several hundred people to conduct their own experiment, which they know that, that uh, we're using the Instagram. Test. And these people had an average of forty six thousand followers. They were both um, content creators and influencers alike. Um, so they were able to pull a good population to pull from and get data around. Yeah, I agree with that. So, exactly. So take us through your kind of your initial initial overall feelings about this report and and what you found interesting off the bat. Well, right off the bat, like I, I, I feel as though I just put myself I find myself putting myself in the shoes of the influencer, you yep. know, and then how would that affect me? And it leads to a mixed bag of emotions, being like. A little bit of anxiety, like this is the negotiation tool for so long that I've had, the level of engagement, it's what I kind of pride myself on with my audience, it's what I can tell brands and people that I collaborate with. I no longer get that affirmation that I may not be so inclined to tell people that I enjoy. Right, as an influencer. As an influencer, but I've enjoyed that so long and I've gotten that affirmation from the people that I'm serving content to, letting, letting me know that it's good content that they appreciate and that I can continue to work off of. So. These things would kind of bring fear uh, and make me scared as an influencer. Um, but as we'll dive into it, um, I think greater findings can be had and follow-up yeah. studies can be done um, to figure some things out. So we can just kind of dive into some of the numbers here. Yeah, let's try some. There's, I think there's a ton of numbers. So take us through just kind of like as a creator or influencer what their overall feelings were. Yeah, so it turned with numbers. Yeah, yeah, so it turned out that well, with the amount of likes, obviously if you if the likes are hidden, um, and the data t- panned out this way as well, mm-hmm. if it, likes are hidden, people that are viewing the content are probably and they turned out to be less likely to actually like the picture or the video that was posted by the influencer. Um, and so, thirty three percent of the influencers, a part of the study, uh, reported that decreased amount of likes twenty two percent greatly decreased their amount of likes from the study. So overall, 55% uh, felt as though this significantly decreased everything um, across the board with engagement. Um, One third of the creators experienced less commenting. Um, And then lastly, creators were 223% more likely to agree than disagree that follower growth had slowed since the start of the experiment. Right. 
this stuff all makes sense if you take one thing away out of the big three being comments, uh, likes, um, followers. If you take likes away, it's going to affect the other three and decrease them um, a little bit here. And to give everybody more context about this, with this, with, with this Instagram test, you can still like a photo, but it's only seen by the creator themselves. So great great not, point to make. Great. Not seen by the, the rest of the audience. Right. So keep that in mind. Right. So people are less likely to engage in that way, but they're still appreciating the post nonetheless all the same. Um, so what do you think what do you think this does for content creators and influencers as a whole? Like where does their focus shift to? They put so much value, you know, this they put so much value in the likes and engagement themselves. Yeah, no, that's a great question. I, I think initially they'll be frazzled. Like, what do I think? Um, but for so long, I think unconsciously these people may be creating content based off of the likes, Correct. based off what their audience wants. And so over time, people may become less authentic to the content they set out to create initially and what they were passionate about and what initially jump-started their careers as content creators and influencers, garnering this following. Um, so as time progressed, they might have been responding to their audience and the likes and the affirmation and creating this content. Whereas now, if this is hidden and these likes and engagement have less of a impact or influence on the content creators themselves in navigating what content they produce, it could lead to a much more creative, authentic platform for these people to express themselves. Um, I totally agree. And so that leads us into like something that I thought was interesting where a quote that the study had a hypothesis about was they felt as though these people in the study would lead to a quote unquote, I feel more freedom to be creative. Initially, uh, immediately following the study, um, the survey had examined and concluded that creators who had their likes hidden were 162% more likely to disagree with a statement. Um, which is interesting. Right. You know, like, it kind of goes against what you would think of it would create a more um, creative environment for these people to be free and liberated uh, yeah. by. And I think this was a little bit of a skewed perspective. We talked about timing. Right. And so it gives a little context about, like, why we think this may not be the case in the short term. Yeah, you know, I think in the short term, how could you not feel this way? I mean, you go back to what we initially said where you put yourself in the shoes of the influencer. This is scary. I mean, for so long, the marketplace and the industry has been run a specific way and all of a sudden it changes. Um, there's going to be a rough patch there. There's going to be short-term chaos, short-term failures, short-term disruptions that lead to um, not as much success. Um, so I kind of compare it to, I said this, I believe this is a short-term, um, short-term response. We got navigating this new playing field for the first time. Um, I kind of compared it to my guy Reed growing up. He just had <laughs> this coach that just really poured into him every day, complimenting his basketball shot every day. 2,000 shots a day. 2,000 shots. And every, every single one of those shots was nice shot, Reed. Nice shot, Reed. You know, and so he's getting used to this affirmation. Um, and this complimentary coach um, that lets him know and gives him peace of mind that his shot's looking good that day, and it was. Fast forward to present day, now he's got me in his ear, and I'm not giving him as much compliments. Right. I'm more so pretty silent. Right. Um, and I don't say very much. But my um, shot might be, should be equally as good or a lot better. Well, but I'm just not recognizing it as far as a affirmation standpoint. 
what would initially take place and like once the complementary coach no longer existed within your sphere of influence mm -hmm. and in this case comparing to likes not being shown anymore or hidden right the influencer or the basketball player in this sense will start thinking you know is my shot as good is my content as good no one's telling me it's great Correct. i'm not getting affirmed from the outside in so i have to affirm myself now Correct. um so in the short term, I believe that there's going to be somewhat of a chaotic mindset for the basketball player, player and the content creator alike, in which this stunts creativity, stress, anxiety, fear, questions, doubt, they stunt creativity um, in the short term. But as I believe the people read, this shot looks better than ever, and the content creators down the line, I think will create better content because they'll conquer these fears, they'll conquer these doubts, and they'll start doing it for the right reasons. They won't do it in response to what the audience likes, right. but now they'll do it based off why they started this on this platform in the first place, creating content that's true to them, authentic to them, what they're passionate about, and the real content that's great that people engage with in the first place and follow them in the first place will start to flourish. Right. I love that. I think it's a great explanation, and I think with our line of work, we get related back to us being an agency, working with these people, I think we put a lot of value in the content itself already. And so like, if we can put, if we can own the distribution as far as the creators themselves, and we're just looking for really, really good content, because we don't really need to put a ton of emphasis on the amount of likes. Um, we just want to put, put, put someone that's incredible at telling a brand story mm -hmm. or their own story. Right. And so I think that in that standpoint, as long as, if you're an influencer agency listening to this, as long as, or like ourselves, as long as we do a really good job of educating influencers of that, right. and do a really good job of educating brands of that, then we're going to be okay. Then this industry doesn't, then it's going to flourish more. Then it's about this like authenticity and like that work is thrown around a lot, but it's really about naturally great content at that point. Yeah, no, that's a great, that's a great, great point. Um, and if there are influencers listening to this as well, like we hear your fears. Sure. Like I said, we'd be fearful as well. And the concerns that, uh, you have and have expressed for sure um, but we want to put those to rest as well like we're here for your content yeah. your ability to create that content that you do so well and we just want it to be core to who you are totally. um, and the more that is the case the better yeah and the reality of it is like this will be the last point we'll have in this article is that there's still going to be hundreds of millions of people using Instagram or using Facebook and using these platforms the audience isn't going anywhere and so the content still matters right right yeah. So one last thing. Yeah, the, the kind of lead, him bringing that assurance leads into that one last quote that I read that was interesting on this, on this article that a creator felt as though less outreach from brands asking to collaborate would take place. Again, I think this is just a short-term um, repercussion of the study as brands, you know, as well uh, learn how to navigate this new marketplace if this pans out to be um, the playing field in the long run where no likes are shown. Um, again, this has been a negotiation tool for so long. They filtered through influencers based off their engagement. Um, yeah. But now they obviously have to, without that being seen, find someone else in which we here and many other uh, people within the influencer marketing space really just look at their ability to create content like right. Reed had expanded on. Um, and so with that would come a more authentic marketplace like he had yeah. touched on. <clears throat> and lastly, I think a really interesting thing to uh, chew on is if Instagram ever has the ability to take a post directly to a brand's website. Which it looks like it's leading that way. Collaborations could be super interesting 
without the ability to like, comment, um, engage in that kind of way. Because if you take all of those you know, options of engagement away and there's only one where you can click on it and go to a website traffic and people are you know, accustomed and used to engaging right. in some way, that could lead to a lot of increased website traffic for brands. So a lot of interesting stuff here. Um, we hear you influencers, we get your fears. Uh, we just want you to know, rest assured, your audience is going nowhere, your value is going nowhere, and we think in the long run you could flourish from this. Yep, totally agree. That was definitely our, our, my favorite article of Influence Weekly um, this week. That was, that was great. And um, cool, so let's, let's dive into something a little more fun, something a little more, just kind of, just kind of a rad, interesting information about um, what's going on in the space. This is basically titled, Farmers, there's certain farmers out there earning more on their YouTube channels rather than their actual crops that they're farming. Um, can you expand on what this article is about and just kind of like specific names that are in there too? Yeah, it's about time someone rivaled Farmer John, <laughs> the biggest influencer in the agricultural space, if you didn't know. <laughs> no, this is rad. Um, uh, I mean, this article is about a guy named Zach Johnson who's known within the YouTube circles as uh, MN Millennial Farmer. He's a soybean uh, corn farmer in Minnesota. Um, and YouTube has provided him the opportunity to make five times the amount of income than he would have otherwise made just being a farmer. Yeah. And is he, is he, do you know what type of content he was creating? Is it? Yeah, so he kind of just takes people through a day in the life on his farm. He's really giving people the ability to have visibility and insight on what growing the soybeans and the corn entails, you know, what tractors does he use? Does he use pesticides? Does he not? Yeah. Um, from A to Z. Yeah. That's right. I think this, 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 this reminds me of something that we talk about here at Kinship and at Common Thread Collective, which is our partner agency, is um, learn a bunch of new knowledge and then give it away. Mm. Right? So yeah. this is exactly what this guy's doing. He is an expert in the, in the agricultural space and he has an option to hold it within and keep it proprietary to himself, but he's choosing to educate the world on it. Yeah, and it's, cool. a, it's a need. Yeah, and it's cool. It's a need. Exactly. I mean, it's such a relevant topic in this day and age with, you know, how and where is this food that's in front of me on this table made? Where does it come from? Right. How is it created? Yeah. Um, and so these guys are really giving us the ability to see how exactly that process is done from the very beginning. Yeah. Um, so he's very informative. As an influencer, he's very articulate, he's very engaging, shares a lot of value in what he's speaking to his community. Uh, people who are obviously interested in hearing about his life and on the farm and everything that entails. And so I think this is a really cool opportunity for uh, honestly smaller brands within the space to capitalize on um, with a new form of marketing. If you hop on it early, you have the opportunity to climb the ladder, right. you know? In the sense that like brands could collaborate with these farmers, farmer YouTubers and start representing their brands, not their brands, but the actual products that they manufacture or create, correct? Yeah, I mean, so it's said on this, this study that 60% of farmers are on YouTube now. Interesting. 55 being on Facebook, 25 on IG, 20 on Twitter. 59% uh, of all the farming community is on YouTube, according to a Pew Research Center survey. Um, with that said, I mean, in the video that, in the latest video that Zach had created, um, 
the whole video was just running through every single John Deere vehicle on his farm. So John Deere really capitalized and came up with a big win with this guy. Yeah, um, sure. Cause the, I mean, what, so much information on every single product and the benefits of it on his farm. But I think with this new vehicle of marketing within the farming community, smaller brands within the space that don't have as much clout yet can really take advantage of these um, influencers and bring them on board on behalf of the brand in order to, just like in any other space, access their audience through such a person of influence and get them on board with their brand and help them climb the ladder. We're going to move along. We're going to take you down to Interesting People, which is a little bit of the bottom half of Influence Weekly here. Let's go over to an article by David Sivers. And um, this is about why he made a coffee company that partners with social media influencers. Yeah, I love this. Um, to be honest, I'm so thankful for Influence Weekly and uh, showcasing this. Yeah. I immediately, after reading this article, reached out to David and wanted to connect with him on LinkedIn, right. let him know I 100% support what he's doing with his brand. Just to give you a little more insight, his uh, company is Akira Coffee Co. And what they do is they partner with influencers um, within the coffee space specifically in order to help them launch coffee brands and help sell their coffee. This is nothing new to the space, like right. partnering with influencers to launch brands, George Clooney, Casamigos, billion dollars sold. Yep. Um, and so, so are they taking the Kira Coffee Co, the actual, and then are they white labeling it to other influencers? Um, no, no. So Dodger Coffee Co was the first brand they helped launch alongside an influencer. Okay. Akira Coffee Co is just a partner. Um, they partner alongside these influencers and the coffee companies that they want to start. Um, first one being Dodger Coffee Co. The influencer's name is actually Dodger. Um, this was two years ago, um, and they've really found success. They have 12 products, six of, which, six of which can be subscribed to. They have 1 million monthly social impressions. They have greater than 30% email open rates. A lot of recurring sub subscribers, profitable every quarter since inception. That's impressive. Just key takeaways that I was able to read and get in that article, but that's outstanding. Yeah. Profitable every quarter since inception. Yeah. Shows there is just a real opportunity here. Um, and if influencers ever have the opportunity to launch their own brand in comparison to promoting somebody else's brand, ah, man, that's awesome. Yeah. You want to empower these influencers to you know fulfill their dreams and take advantage of all the opportunities that they're able to create for themselves. Yeah, I totally agree. And I think they're doing it in an interesting way where it's like, it's not just the influencer launching their own brand. That's the whole point of this partnership that David's doing is that it's a true partnership. And yeah. If someone, you know, if someone, if someone out there has a clothing brand, and they want to empower an influencer to create their own clothing brand. That's amazing. We're seeing it more and more. Yeah. Um, we've seen some successes. We've seen some failures out there doing so. But get a brand that really believes in. If you're an influencer, get a brand that really believes in what who you are and what you're doing, and then find a way to benefit each other over time. Yeah. It's something really cool together. And just believe in yourself. Yeah. As an influencer, yeah. just assess your past history with brands. You know. Where did you find the most success in what space and what niche on behalf of what brands? And even more importantly, outside of just the success of it, where did you feel yourself being most authentic to yourself? Where did you feel yourself most passionate and driven mm -hmm. to create content on behalf of a product? Which products did you believe in the most? Allow these questions to be filters to figure out 
what you ultimately want to do, yeah. what you ultimately could launch, yeah. what's the possibilities there? Yeah, I agree. And I think, I think to relate it back to kind of what we do, just, just real quick, um, we've, we've come, across, come across a lot of influencers that want to do their own branding, their own types of things. And it, it, again, it comes back to an, a, a, a place of education right now. There's just a lack of just kind of how to build their own brands, things like that. But there are a ton of resources out there yeah. to make sure that you're doing so in the right fashion. And of course, the digital landscape can be busy and all those things, but there really is a, a right and wrong way to do these types of partnerships and type of brand growth yourself. So, um, you know, find the resources that, that can help you out. Yeah, and we're just in full support of it. Like I said, we love uh, what David's doing. Um, we're in full support of influencers finding their own path and paving their own way and launching their own companies. Um, and like yeah, we just love it, full yeah. support. Um, and we're here to help them be a resource and influence that want to pursue that path. Absolutely. Cool. So, and, oh, and last point there. Yeah, go ahead. Not much changes for what the influencer has to do. Right. So let that put any fears to rest as well. That's right. When you say changes, you say changes like, there's a lot more work as far as like trying to start their brand, but as far as the actual influencer content they're creating. Yeah, I mean, partnering up with in this case, Secure Coffee, or in working with a brand, or a lot of influence marketing agencies nowadays, such as ourselves even, mm-hmm. we can, those agencies or those brands, such as David's, can take on a lot of the work, and right. what's required of the influencers doesn't change very much, it's just still creating content, right. and still just engaging with that audience. Right. That's the two biggest things. Being a great face for the brand. It, those are the two biggest things that lead to success for a brand, the ability to create ongoing, Content that's applicable to an audience that is a part of your community of your brand. Yeah, yeah. And this is always something that we always, we always, we always dictate to. Something we say around here is that people buy for two reasons. Mm-hmm. It's because of price and because of someone that you trust. And that really falls on two two things. There, the partnership can regulate the price, and they own they own they know what the marketplace is going to be. And someone you trust is the influencer, which is interesting. So right away, the influencers kind of got a head start ahead of all the other brands that are launching. Right. You have right. an audience of people that trust you. Yeah, exactly. Cool, I love that. So I think lastly, um, I want to touch on the Chipotle partnership that they did with TikTok. And uh, TikTok is a space where advertising in general really can't happen right now as far as paid ads. But there's really true, authentic, um, organic, I should say, advertising going on to collaboration. So Chipotle basically got four or five of the top influencers on TikTok, guys like David David Dobrik. And um, what kind they, of followings did these guys have? I mean, David has over four million subscribers on TikTok, I believe. Other guys had, you know, three million. It was incredibly high. Um, Jay Crows had 15.8 million followers on here. We have Dominic Oliver with 7.3 million followers. So again, it's it's insane about the the amount of reach that TikTok has. Granted, it's at a younger demographic, um, as far as the, the, the actual audience on TikTok. Yeah. Growth this, rate's crazy though. Growth rate's crazy. This is a space that we need to do better at learning and educating ourselves on. But the point I want to take across here is if you guys have an opportunity to go read Influence Weekly, go check out the Chipotle article. And it's really everybody is kind of like doing almost like a flip, like a flip, uh, flip the lid challenge. And they're challenging each other to flip the Chipotle lid. 
So it's not necessarily about the food, fun. but it's about like it's about fun and creating an actual TikTok video with music and things like that. And the fact is, Chipotle is in front of all these incredible people, and it's tying it all together like a web. So and it's uh, not it's a, it's a good switch up. It's not totally. super salesy. It's just fun. Yeah, and it's just and, and again, you can grab something like this and go repurpose it for an ad down the line somewhere later. Yeah. Like TikTok's an amazing space that we think is untapped right now. Um, guys are getting guys and, and women are getting really really creative. Yeah, I feel like it has a lot of potential for yeah. virality, viral oh, kind of content. Absolutely. Those kind of campaigns. So go check that out if you can. Um, that was fun. Yeah, but that's super fun. Yeah, Influence Weekly. I mean, what a great um, hub of just information. I mean, to be yeah. honest, coming into this, I was like, man, I gotta get really researched into all of these different articles. But what an opportunity to get up to date on everything that's going on in the marketplace. So yeah, this is something that you actually just kind of ingrained in our weekly meetings at the end yeah. of the week we just said hey what's going on in the, in the influencer space things like that and a lot of times we refer to influence weekly so we are proud to be a part of uh, the talking points podcast here one thing i want to touch on real quick is uh andrew looks like he came out with a new platform called the creator growth lab andrew at talking points andrew at talking points influence weekly and uh he just came out with he just launched a creator growth lab and launched it via product hunt and Product Hunt is a resource to see a bunch of new products. It's pretty cool. Um, I don't think I'm educated enough to, to showcase the full details about it. I've registered, so go ahead, take a register, and um, dive in for yourself and see how your, your, your growth lab is, is doing. Definitely can't hurt. Any tool that can help you understand and analyze how to grow um, your platform is worth looking into. Yeah, so, absolutely. So check it out. Again, my name is Reed Nalboff, and I'm, I'm sitting here at Taylor Lagasse, and we're Kinship, so excited to be on here, hopefully in a month or so. Thanks for having us. Cool.